Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to horror on the Orient Express, where it seems the Orient Express has had something terrible befall it before it arrives in Sophia. But before that, first we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you'd like, you could support us on patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast, where we have an awful lot to offer you, even beyond the shows that you hear. And so, with that out of the way, I'd like to get to introductions to my right. Hi there, this is Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser, who uh, has just had uh, a bit of an altercation with a rather unpleasant chap in a dining carriage. Mm, indeed you did. Indeed you did, too. Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I've been shot. Indeed you have. And you've had the bullet excised from you, which is nice. And so now you can get about to the recovery portion, as every other gunshot victim eventually gets to. At the end of the table. Hi, this is Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and there's been an attempted murder on the Orient Express. Mm. Yes, well, it is in season. Uh, And last, but most certainly not least. Hi, this is Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I was hoping someone would lend me a hand in my pursuit, but it ended up going a little differently than I expected. Indeed. It seems, anyway, Miss Bellinger, that body parts continue to find you. Uh, We are in the missing Professor Courtney formation this evening. Um, We are certain that the professor is likely relaxing and dreaming about somewhere far, far away from here. As we open the curtain tonight to check on what our fair investigators are doing, you'll note on your timetable that we are nearing the stop in Sophia. And so very, very shortly, it will be pulling into station which means our investigators will likely be making some preparations. And so for certain bits that you should be aware of, Paul indicates to you, Mr. Fraser, that the professor does seem to be a little under the weather. And so he's asked for uh, one of the bathing chairs to be made available. So that way they can um, properly leave the Orient Express with him bundled up because it does look like there's snow outside. What time of year are we in just now? Are we in March, April, something like that? Just about April, yeah. But there's still some snow in the hills here. So I think, yeah, I'll thank thank Paul for his consideration and assistance. And I'm also going to ask him your medical opinion, Paul. Is it possible for a man to survive after having a hand removed? Uh, hand removed? He looks a little curious for a moment. Uh, It is possible. Um, The largest trouble, of course, medically speaking, would be the amount of blood loss that would occur near a major artery in the hand. And so if the bleeding was staunched and the wound was, well, in the most direct sense, cauterized or forced to stop bleeding, 
then it is certainly possible to survive losing a hand, although the body does go through certain changes after it loses limbs. Changes? Uh, in what way do you mean? Oh, uh, just medically speaking, you would go through some changes because the body would have to adjust and uh, adapt to not having that limb anymore. But I would imagine if you'd had your hand uh, removed, not in a surgical manner, in, in an operating theatre, then uh, you would uh, presumably be uh, considerably incapacitated for a period of time. Would that be right? I would think so, yes. So, are, are you... Um, may I ask, has someone lost a limb or a hand? Well, I think, um, considering our current situation, um, you should be kept informed of uh, all the events surrounding what is occurring to us on, on this train. As you know, there has been a, a, an altercation in the dining carriage. Our ladyship was shot. Um, this, this gentleman, uh, doctor, I um, can't mind his name, but the doctor uh, was at risk uh, of being shot. Another gentleman leapt out of the window uh, of the moving carriage. What? Well, yes, indeed. Uh, it appears that he was an accomplice, uh, as far as we can tell, uh, of the man that uh, that shot her ladyship. He stabbed the maitre d' in the dining carriage and uh, tried to make good his escape. Simon and uh, Maggie gave chase to him, and uh, he leapt out of the window of the train in order to evade them. Uh, we fear he has uh, not survived the fall. But uh, he did leave behind uh, something which he was carrying, and that something contained uh, a human hand, a bag containing a human hand. Live? I, I mean, I'm sorry, warm? Uh, as far as we can tell, I recently, recently removed. So there is somebody on this train, it, uh, it logically leads us to deduce, uh, that has uh, had a hand removed from them. Yes, the, the subject, if not um, immediately cared for, is likely dead. The blood loss would be very quick. That is what I was uh, I was thinking. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the, the reason for uh, removal, but uh, I wonder if it would be a good idea to alert the staff of the train. Oh, uh, yes. Certainly, it would be, uh, it would be paramount. Could I tell, Mike, from looking at the hand, or just a brief look I had on it, how roughly removed it was, whether, you know, it looked like it was a fairly neat, sharp, precise incision, or whether, you know, it had been hacked off with, like, an axe or something. It's the latter rather than the former. This looks, in a word, brutal. And the one thing that um, perplexes me somewhat is, judging from the state of the hand, it was removed with no great care and attention. But um, as far as I'm aware, no sound of a, of a fight was heard. It's strange. I, I merely mention it to you because uh, of your um, medical expertise. I will bring it to the attention of the others for sure. That would be my suggestion. I'll work on getting uh, the professor out of the train when it... The time comes, but I must say this this is harrowing. It's terrible. It might be um, worth your while speaking to the train staff as well uh, to see if the uh, the maitre d' requires um, tension. I'm, I'm not sure how bad the wound that was inflicted on him was. Hmm. I don't know whether they have a, a doctor on board the train who uh, would be more capable than yourself. Quite frankly, um, 
I find it a little unlikely. I, I don't think to burnish my own skills here, but there were likely men on the train that served in the war, and so that they would have a, a general knowledge of aiding another man or really person um, should, should they become damaged. But me medical knowledge is different. Harder to come by. Well, I'll leave that with you anyway for the time being, and, and thank you for uh, uh, your advice regarding uh, the professor. Uh, I'll go and find the others, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get to the bottom of this. Yes, yes, please do. So I want to look in very quickly on uh, Miss Bellinger. So with the train coming closer to Sophia, Miss Bellinger, um, you are having to, of course, collect your limbs and all of the rest of your parts and put them in, lovingly, of course, the steamer trunk, which holds them. And you do notice, of course, you are missing just the head. The head, that's, a, that's all that's left. Yes, but I feel very close to it now. It's a delightful feeling to me, and I take extra care and just time and attention in putting these pieces back. I, I wouldn't want to disappoint or anger them again. Oh, no. Uh, in fact, as you're putting them away, you get a few wonderful feelings looking at each one. In the torso specifically, you see your own reflection. It's a piece that has such a... Uh, reflective quality to it in that opalescence that you can see your face in it and as you turn and and shift the torso piece around a little bit you imagine it how it might look on your own body if you were encased in it it's a pleasure to see even through the pain the deep and resonating pain you feel from even having the piece yeah is there a mirror in my car Oh, of course. I imagine I would even at one point hold it up as if I am uh, holding up a, a dress that I wish to try on at the store and gazing at myself in the mirror, thinking about it, thinking about wearing this, thinking about it being on my skin. Mm. It's cool. It's um, It's very relieving to have it so close to you. And you can imagine how beautiful you would look in a collection of pieces such as these. There has to be some way to, to unlock them, to wear them. There must be something, some instruction manual, perhaps. There has to be some way to take these pieces. If they truly ever did act as one, if they were ever really what the legends say they are, there must be a way. Yeah, and Maggie's thoughts have been consumed by this recently and even going forward in, in downtime this is this is the primary focus of Maggie's thoughts is how there there has to be a key to unlocking this so that I can wear it really just focusing all my attention on figuring out what that is and also thinking about what the others are doing because I have a bad feeling about them and their intentions towards me mm. yes I can imagine so Lady Elizabeth being shot was perhaps the height of um, the dinner you were just at recently. But that said, the um, highs and lows have now, well, let's just say they've, they've tempered a little bit. And one of the things that has become evident to you is that it really, really sucks to get shot. I would imagine so. You don't have to imagine anymore because you've been shot now and now you know what it feels like. And unfortunately for you, it's another thing you get to add to the list of things that you're in pain about. Mm -hmm. 
the worst part is is that it's new and so you have all sorts of new nerve receptors that you didn't know you wanted to pay attention to and and have now decided that you don't you'd really like to not feel them paul has provided you with enough painkillers to be able to get through and move throughout the day but you will likely need some assistance you you imagine getting into and off the train yes quite difficult moving around with no longer a gaping chest wound, but still. I was never very strong to begin with. Well, and whatever your contact with Mother really was seems to have aided your strength, but your body's going to take a little time to recover, for sure. So I imagine I'm just sitting in my compartment very gingerly. Yeah. Waiting for pulling into the station, but not much in the mood for moving around. Yeah, so around about 7 p.m. or so, the Orient Express arrives at Sevilla Station. And so I'll give a little bit of a, an informational understanding that investigators come to. So when you arrive at the station, the station itself is covered with police officers. It's four or five of them. They meet very quickly with staff inside the train. That does not preclude guests from leaving. So the platform fills with people who are desperate to get off the train. Passengers disembark a little shakily. It's a dark, snowy platform. The police here at the platform are picking through the people who are disembarking and collecting those who saw the attack on the maitre d'. The staff of the train inform you, Mr. Fraser, that your party will want to be spoken to. Yeah, Fraser will have been anticipating this. If he gets a chance to speak to whoever is kind of most most senior there, do the police themselves approach us um, when when we try to disembark, or is it just is this just the staff warning us beforehand? Staff do do warn you ahead of time. They tell you that the police will be interested in speaking with you, and so the staff of the Orient Express is. They tell you that they're interested in making the exchange of information as easy as possible. Uh, will we require uh, the services of uh, somebody to translate? Uh, n- no, no. We have uh, members of staff here on the train who speak uh, several sets of languages, whether it be English or Turkish, Bulgarian, etc., uh, that will be available to you. Splendid. I, I, I'm, I, I'm assuming that uh, it may be that police officer, uh, detective, whoever it is wishes to speak with us may not uh, have English, so... If there could be somebody on hand to assist uh, with uh, making ourselves understood, then that would be most appreciated. Um, Certainly, certainly, of course. When you leave the train, the staff there direct you to a series of side offices are near the platform. A member of the Orient Express staff comes with you and the, the party at large, and they take you sort of not into a holding cell, but it is a interview room that they're cycling people into and out of. They basically ask three main set of questions, which was, what did you see? And then, do you know who the men was? Can you tell us anything about them? That sort of thing. So I I guess I would just want your answers to those questions. Do we get a chance to speak beforehand to discuss whether or not we're going to talk about this hand in a bag that we, we found? Happy to afford the characters a few minutes to speak if they would like. I don't think it would do us any favors to try and uh, keep this secret from the, the police. There's likely another person on this train who who is 
probably dead by this stage, possibly in a, a cabin somewhere. And I'm also fairly certain Mr. Fraser, someone likely saw Miss Bellinger carrying said bloody bag. So honesty is the best policy in this case, I think. Indeed, let us, let us just be frank and straightforward with the police uh, when, they, when they question us and hopefully they'll be able to get to the bottom of this. But I doubt it. I, I suspect that this is all tied in with the very thing we are investigating. So then, given that, is the plot then that you'll move forward? What uh, what are your answers when uh, when they ask? I imagine I have to be helped in by Mr. Fraser at this point. But I will tell them, because I'm used to speaking first anyway. No, I have no idea who the gentlemen in question were. All I saw was a very poor waiter, quite terrible, not even wearing proper clothing, attempt to uh, leave by distracting everyone by stabbing the poor maitre d'. Is he all right, by the way? We understand that the maitre d' will survive his wounds. Wonderful. I then noticed a second gentleman appearing to pull out uh, some sort of handgun. He was walking towards the good uh, university professor, I believe he is, and I attempted to intervene. Did not go very well. So I understand you were shot? Yes. Not a very pleasant experience. I don't recommend it. No, neither do I. He uh, seems to tap against his neck when he tells you that. There's a definitive scar that runs the long length of his neck. I did, however, with the assistance of Mr. Fraser here, manage to prevent the good professor from experiencing the same thing. I do not know why he was in such danger, and I do not know who these gentlemen were. Merely acted when the situation called for it. Wonderful. Full credit rating. All right. My credit rating is 70, so. And that is a 43, so not a hard success, but a regular. The authorities at the station seem to buy the story, especially given the fact that most people give very similar accounts, it seems. Uh, so what happened, if anybody, if any of the investigators are deviating from that, though, they can speak up now. That would be exceedingly helpful to know. I'm going to give a straightforward, uh, unembellished summary of my actions during the course of the altercation. Well, we all know, listeners and I know what your uh, actions were. They commend you for going after an armed man. You know, hopefully they will, uh, the man in custody will be able to uh, answer the questions that they have. I will state that it was uh, nothing that anyone wouldn't have done, given the circumstances. See one of the men sort of smirk a little bit. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to, and I think in uh, when I'm speaking to this, uh, the, the chap that's got the, presumably this, the, the, the officer that's got the scar on his neck that, uh, that I'm speaking to, I will phrase my language, and hopefully this comes across in the translation, if we're needing uh, translation, to make it clear to him that uh, I'm a military man, or I was a military man. Yeah, the um, the translation seems to get your point across. It's likely that this gentleman also served, although as to which side, that's a good question. But um, but that war is over. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hoping to kind of create just maybe the little a uh, little touch of a bond between us based on the fact that uh, I'm, I'm assuming because you know, he's been wounded it was probably during the war so see if that maybe help helps get this done as quickly and smoothly as possible 
A few moments later, the uh, investigators are offered a door by which they can exit and uh, get to the night in Sofia. There are a couple of things that you do lose during this time. One is any sort of visibility when it came comes to Dr. Chivanov. Uh, the last you hear from him, Fraser, is that um, after he's done with the authorities, his plan is to go to his home. If you would like to make contact with him at the university in the morning, that would be reasonable. Okay. Yep. I'll just agree and say, yes, that sounds like a, a very sensible proposition. But after that, the investigators are on their own reconnaissance. So you collect your bags. Of course, customs does go through the, the bags. They do find and search the bags. Um, and so I guess I'm going to make a roll for them to see if there is any contraband found in those bags. That sort of thing. Nope. You get lucky there. If you need a taxi or directions to the uh, Hotel de la Bugari, they're uh, able to afford you both. I'll definitely arrange a taxi. Definitely seems like something you'll need. To Sofia, the city of Eternal Springs. The only decent hotel in Sofia is the Hotel de la Bulgari. The wise traveler will resume rooms in advance, which, of course, our Mr. Fraser has done. The hotel overlooks the public gardens where a band plays twice a week and adjoins the royal palace, fit for a Fitzroy. But you are arriving at night, and so there isn't a huge amount of sightseeing that can be done. By the time you're done with the police, it's probably about eight or so. So you are able to get into your hotel soon after that. Well, I wouldn't be in much shape for sightseeing anyway, regardless of what time of day it is. I am very much ready to sleep. Yeah. I imagine I'm still a bit woozy from all the painkillers. So there's a couple impressions that you get just of the people here. Everybody here feels and acts a little short. People seem tense just in your interactions with the locals, getting into taxis and getting to the hotel. People are very, very curt. That's the best explanation. The streets are cobbled. They're relatively dark, though. Overhanging stories of black beamed houses. At one moment, you could admire the domes and minarets of the um, Islamic mosques the next moment. You might have to um, watch out for uh, an open uh, storm drain or sidestep something terrible left by a, a local animal. It's a very strange city to be in, but you do eventually get to the hotel. I think when we get to the hotel, I'm going to speak to the staff there and see if I can get any maps, guidebooks, any kind of tourist guides that might give me further information to what I've uh, had on the uh, the Traveler's Guide. Yeah, they probably have a little bit of information, maybe not something terribly outside of the Traveler's Guide. The difficulty for you is that most of their guides are in local languages. Yeah. And that's going to be real tough for you. Are there any English language newspapers here in the hotel? Yeah, there's probably one. I will gather that up um, and I'll also ask if it's something they get daily. I'll ask for one in the morning as well. We've got a suite, haven't we, I think? Mm, yes, that's what's been reserved. Um, you have a suite, but um, this hotel doesn't have a conjoined room. It has rooms. So basically your six rooms 
have taken a portion of one of the floors here. Right. Okay. So we don't we don't have a kind of a private living living area sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. There's no living space here, but the rooms are nice and they're fairly large by comparison. So I will spend the rest of the evening. Then we've already eaten, reading the newspaper, um, seeing if there's any news to catch up on uh, of, of note. I'm not quite sure whether it will be a completely up-to-date newspaper or not, but uh, that and also just going through the guidebooks and maps and that kind of stuff, familiarizing myself with the with the city, I think, basically. Yeah, there is a map of Sofia for you if you'd uh, care to peruse it and um, you can even look at some topographical stuff. Likely uh, available, I'm probably in, we'll just say, a um, less than professional format. So is, is everybody just sleeping, uh, taking to their beds and trying to relax then? Yes. So, if you would, we'll starting in our regular investigative order. Mr. Fraser, would you tell me how much luck you have? Oh my goodness me. At the moment, I have 81 points of luck. Lady Elizabeth? 76. Simon? 16. Miss Bellinger? 24. Ooh, fantastic. So during the night, Simon, there is a series of adjustments that you have to make. The bed is reasonably comfortable, but the sounds of Sophia are not as simple to get used to. It's a different city. You can feel it in your bones. There's a, a little bit of coal still left in the fireplace here, so it's keeping the room warm enough. It's not terribly cold outside, especially for someone from Appalachia, but it's cold enough to where it probably means you're using a blanket or two to keep yourself warm. You're not sure where the sound comes from first, but you can almost hear maybe there's a, a tapping on the wood floor. It's not heavy enough to be footfalls. You're not real sure where it comes from, but I'm going to have you make me a listen check to see if you can locate it because it's something your brain subconsciously would do. Okay, and a question I have is, am I sure I'm awake? No. Well, it's not a fumble. That would be a 97 over 52. Ooh, just by two points there. Okay, I will keep that in mind. Your brain thinks maybe it's a cat. Maybe there's a cat outside your door that's sort of padding around. Maybe that's what it is. You saw a cat or two maybe in the lobby... They probably just run around at night and hunt mice and that sort of thing. Uh, Miss Bellinger, you are stirring in bed because you are in pain. Your hips are hurting an awful lot. You're having to sort of constantly readjust. Uh, you keep bumping into the pieces of the simulacrum that you've decided to sleep with that night, whether it be a few parts or all of the parts. There's only so much room in the bed, but you, you hug them close to make sure that they stay close enough. But your hips are definitely bothering you. Keep having this nagging pain at your collarbone. And you're not sure if, if it's the pain or something else that keeps you awake. But your brain is active. Even though your body's tired, your brain is, you know, has had a few cups of coffee and it's ready to move around. Maggie's thoughts will drift back to the Compte. The last time we saw each other didn't go uh, in a way that I expected it to or that would be favorable to me. I don't know if he was mad at me. 
because I had lost contact with these parts or if I did something wrong. And so I feel like my mind would be pretty fixated on him. And if through the pain I could, I would be trying to reach him with my thoughts. Okay. I'm going to have you make me a listen roll. That is a 77 on 77. Ooh, that's quite the listen roll you have. You feel something stir next to you, and you think for a moment that it's one of the pieces. You're fairly certain it is. And in the darkness there, you feel a few fingers run their hand, run down your, your cheeks just very slightly. This is as soon as you're thinking of the Comte. And you feel them on the right side then sort of brush down your cheek. I I think Maggie would find a, a comfort in that, knowing that he is he's still with her, that he's he's still here. She has obviously atoned for whatever she did wrong. The pieces are back. She's with the pieces. Uh, and he is still here. And we are in this together. We're going to make this happen. There's a very little amount of actual illumination in the room. The fireplace nearby has been kept, but it hasn't been for, say, maybe an hour or so. And so the embers that are there give you just a little bit of light. And for the first moment that you begin to focus on the, the caress, the touch of these fingers on your face, you see them for the first time. These are powerful fingers, a little older. They're, they're gaunt. The flesh is, is white. It reminds you immediately of the Compte. Maggie kind of, I want to say snuggles into them, but um, she she quietly says, soon soon we will f- we'll fly together, won't we? The hand that moved down the right side of your cheek, Miss Bellinger, slips under your chin for just the briefest of moment before the hand clamps around your throat as hard as it possibly can. Maggie's hands will kind of go up to her throat to the hand that's around it. I'm going to very quickly make a fighting brawl roll as you were unexpecting the, the hand to clamp on you. Mm-hmm. So it will use a fighting maneuver. It calls choke and it will clamp down around your throat with just enough force with the index finger and the thumb to press your windpipe closed. And so I'm going to have you make an opposed strength roll because I assume anyway Maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to assume that Maggie is going to at some point resist being choked. Yeah, she will. It's a an unnatural survival instinct. Even if I wanted to give myself into this, I think that my nat- my body's natural reaction would be to fight back. It is an opposed strength roll. It is an extreme success. Ooh. Very good, very good, very good. Uh-oh. I have an extreme success as well. <gasps> And so I'll just ask you, Miss Bellinger, what is your strength? 35. Mine is 85. And so I'm going to win this contest by uh, virtue of my attributes. Uh, And then I'm going to deal you some damage, which of course isn't very nice, but so be it. It begins to squeeze harder. And when you grab at the hand, you realize now there is a second hand. That second hand that was on the left side of your face goes towards the base of your neck and tries to throttle you. You can, of course, scream out if you'd like. I'm not sure if a, a scream would get out of Maggie's 
throat at this point. She may try, but I think it's more of a choking noise. Okay. So you're going to lose two hit points this round. And the way this will work is until you win an opposed strength roll, you'll continue to lose hit points until you're choked out. Now in the other room, Simon, your brain is sort of on alert now, mostly because you remembered a cat and then you kept thinking, well, that doesn't sound like a cat. You hear something to the right and to the left of you around your bed and you can hear something sort of crawling closer. You, you hear the friction of something on the pillowcases. So I'm going to have a question here. Is the room getting colder? Nope. So th- this is not something I would roll spirit or for. No. Already. So something's creeping towards me on both sides and I'm hearing it like an echo with my hearing. Yeah. And you can feel the differences and you can feel the pressure in the pillows. Uh, can I roll out of bed onto the floor? You can. You roll out of bed onto the floor. Now, you remember, your bedroom is dark, all except for the small sort of lights of those coals. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going to roll towards the fireplace. Okay, you roll towards the fireplace. What are you doing at the fireplace? Uh, I'm going to try and stoke the fire up. Okay, so you're going to like... What, throw a log in there or something to get the fire hot and bright again? Oh, uh, tender uh, coal, if they have it, you know, depending upon what they're burning. Okay. Yeah, you stoke up the fire. There's no roll for it. Just give the fire a bit more fuel to light up the room. You're using it to illuminate to see what's in the room? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you do so. And you see two disembodied hands on your bed. And they're thick-fingered male hands that are sort of tarantula walking down the bed now towards you. And this, of course, will elicit a sanity roll as the hands are animated. Oh, yeah. That's a 19 under 65. Okay, very good. Uh, You will lose a single point of sanity from seeing that. That is not right. That is not natural. What? Where did these hands come from? Oh, my God. Don't let them anywhere near me. Um, so I'll leave you there for a moment. Uh, Miss Bellinger currently being choked in her room. You're sort of coughing a little bit as the hands continue to press against your throat. And you can feel the not only the strength, but seemingly the force behind them. They are trying to choke you out. One of the hands is creeping up over towards your face and trying to pull at part of your face like your eye. Maggie's legs begin to kick and thrash wildly as she's struggling against these hands and she's going to claw at them, grab at them, and try to pull them away from her throat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, to get out from underneath of it, it's going to be a strength test. I failed my strength roll. Oh no. Okay, so it'll automatically then win the opposed roll, given the fact that you failed it. So that's three more points of damage that it is doing to you. Okay. Imagine during the struggle kicking your legs, you're rolling around a little bit. So I will say at this point that pieces of the simulacrum fall off of the bed. And so I am going to, because I think it's reasonable. They're fairly heavy, at least if if they fall. I mean, they're porcelain, but made of a, a strange material. They're heavy enough to create a thud. Mr. Fraser, if you would give me a hard constitution roll 
to see if um, you are roused by all the commotion. Oh, yes, yes, easily a hard constitutional. So there is a thud, and that snaps Fraser's eyes wide open. He will immediately reach for the firearm that he keeps now by his bedside and um, turn back the sheet and get out of bed. Thump, thump. There's another thump from Maggie's room. And I'll make best speed. I'm not even going to put my slippers on. Uh, You hustle out of your room and uh, get to the room next to yours, which is Miss Bellinger's. And uh, what's your listen? My listen? uh, 60. I'm not going to make you roll for it. You hear sounds of someone struggling inside. You can hear coughing. There's a little flesh slapping. Yeah, so there's definitely a commotion coming from that room. Um, I will try the door, um, and if it's locked, I will put my shoulder through the door. Um, otherwise, I'll just fling it open, and uh, uh, presumably there's a, a light switch at the, by the door. Is it electric light in the hotel? The, the door is definitely locked. Miss Bellinger's not going to leave her, her door unlocked, I wouldn't imagine. So you probably put your shoulder into the door for, for a moment, and we'll cut really quickly over to Simon's room. And he's revealed the fact that there are two disembodied hands that are crawling actually rather quickly towards him. Are they between me and the doorway? Uh, they are. Their movement is 10, sir. Okay. I'm assuming because I have a fireplace, I have a poker. Oh, of course. I'm going to grab the poker and stab one of the hands. It's time to make s'mores. It's a fighting brawl roll for sure. That's a miss. Okay. Hands are going to leap off the bed at you, one left and one right, and they're going to attempt to claw your body with their fists. So you may dodge or fight back, your choice. Uh, This will be a dodge. And that is a fail. Okay. Would you like the second dodge with disadvantage? Let's try. Nope. Okay. The hands, luckily for you, cannot impale. The first one is going to do one point of damage. And the second one will do three. Uh, So they work their way up your body. And as they do so, the fingers dig into your flesh, creating large bruises. And one tries to grab at your mouth. Or Simon will yell very loudly. Okay. What are you yelling? Freeze! Ah! As you are colliding with this door, Mr. Fraser, it's fairly clear that Simon is also calling out for you. I think Fraser is far too concerned with um, the potential harm to uh, Miss Ballinger at the moment. So he's going to he's going to focus on that. So you this round will shoulder open the door before that happens, though, I'm going to give Miss Bellinger her action because she does get to. Uh, attempt to extricate herself from these, um, well, nefarious hands. Yeah, I think uh, Maggie's going to uh, continue on grabbing at them and maybe even try to roll away, roll to one side, see if I can use momentum of my body to try to get out of these hands, see if I can slip away down the bed. So the tough part for her is that one of them has her in a in a choke, which is a maneuver that can only be broken by a clearly obvious strength win. I'll say this. Why don't you give me a hard dex roll? Okay. And what I'll do for the other hand that isn't choking you is put them at disadvantage if you succeed. 
because of all of your sort of herky-jerky motions. It is just a regular success. Very well. Then oppose strength rolls if if you would. A fail for me. No, and a fail for me. That's a terrible roll for it. Um, so it will not be able to apply enough pressure to you. Although the other hand is going to attempt to rip out your eyeball. Just the one? Mm-hmm. It just wants the one. Well, that's a fail on fighting brawl. Um, but even though they've failed, I'll explain this. It gets attached to your your face and it uses your nose and the side of your cheekbone. And you can tell that it's trying to pry your eye out. It wants in. It wants you to hold still long enough so it can pluck your eye out. The door bangs open and in the light of the hallway, you see your savior in the form of James Robert Fraser in a nightgown. Um, so I would assume Miss Bellinger in a nightgown and then hands, disembodied hands on her body, one around her throat, the other around her face. And she looks like she is in a really, really bad way. Holy shit, those are disembodied hands. Yeah, that'll be the sanity roll, won't it? You betcha. And one for you as well, Miss Bellinger, as now you can see the uh, terrifying thing that has befallen you. Uh, That's almost a fumble, but not quite. It's a 96 over 51 for me. Wow, look at that. Just sanity and losses all around. All right, uh, Miss Fraser, uh, if you would lose three points of sanity. And uh, just two points for you, Miss Bellinger. Lady E is sleeping peacefully through all of this with the assistance of the medication given by uh, soon-to-be Dr. Paul. It doesn't preclude you from acting if you would like to, Mr. Fraser. Just uh, having to react to the disembodied hands. Okay, I think, considering the fact that he failed his sanity roll, and he's lost three points of sanity, are either of these hands in a position where I think I could shoot them without shooting straight through them into Maggie Ballinger. No. Okay. Now, I think even bearing in mind that um, Mr. Fraser has a very steady hand and a very keen eye, he is going to resist the temptation to to shoot these things. He'll put his uh, pistol down on uh, the the nearest uh, surface and he will run in uh, and try and grab one of these hands and just rip it off. Is there a fire in each of these rooms? Each one of them has their own little fireplace. In fact, when you grab the hands, and you would know this too, uh, actually both you and, and Simon would know this, Miss Bellinger, the hands aren't cold, they're warm. It's like the caress of a lover. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to make a strength roll, uh, you can, Mr. Fraser. Hot success. Very good. I'll oppose you, of course. So that is a win on the strength roll. Based upon your success, you wrench one of the hands, the hand around her throat, you wrench it off, and Miss Bellinger, you can finally breathe for a moment. Fraser, help! It's trying to rip out my eye! I'll do what I can! And I'm going to take this hand and run over towards the fire and just plunge the hand into the fire. I'm not going to try and throw it at the fire, because if I miss the fire, it will just skitter across the floor at me. I'm just going to keep holding onto it and run across and plunge it in. We'll say 50-50, you might burn yourself, okay? Oh, I would fully intend, intend, expect to take some burning damage, but it's going right in the coals, and hopefully they're still hot enough. They are, actually. Go ahead and roll a d6 damage, uh, given the coals here, and then um, based upon how much damage you deal, we'll see how deep the hand goes. 
Okay. I rolled a six. Fantastic. So you'll deal five points of damage to the hand and a single point of damage to yourself as you burn your fingers as they plunge into the coal bed here. Very good. Simon, you attempted to uh, skewer one of these hands and have been uh, have been visited upon uh, by death itself in the form of disembodied hands on your own person now. So what will you be doing this round before they act? Pull one of them off of me and throw it into the fireplace. It's opposed strength. Okay, so strength roll or fighting brawl? Um, it's actually strength roll. Oh, that's a 27 under 80. Yep, you beat its strength roll, so you pitch it into the fire. You pull it off yourself, and then you can see even as the hand, the fingers, and the wrist sort of dances about in your hand, you whip it off and into the fire and go ahead and roll a d6. Four points. It doesn't make a sound, I suppose, other than the woomph, sort of, as it connects with the coal bed. But you smell the sizzling, well, the smell of burning flesh. Which I have smelled before. Indeed you have. So, burning flesh is also the top smell in Miss Bellinger's room now, as uh, the... uh, disembodied hand that's still on her face is going to go back to trying to pluck her eyeball out. Miss Bellinger, you're going to want to dodge that. I'll just put it that way. I will absolutely try that then. Oh, that is a fail. Okay. Well then. Um, Well, it's going to deal damage to you, and if it deals enough, it will take the eye. That's kind of the way it works. Nope, not enough. That's a single point of damage. You're very close. So it sticks its finger in your eye and um, there is an exceeding amount of pain that comes with that because what it's really trying to do is pop your eyeball out and it just doesn't have enough leverage. For you, Fraser, this is horrifying to watch because of course she's grabbing at the hand trying to keep it from doing what it wants to do and and it's not working. Is this, is this hand that I've got still kind of moving and struggling as I've got it in the fire. Nope. It's not struggling at all. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Then I shall leave it in, in embedded in the coals and run across to try and grab the other one because it, before it has one of Maggie's eyes out. Wouldn't be a bad idea. How would you like to approach this uh, situation? Pretty much the same way as I, uh, as I did the other one, just try and kind of grab hold of it with, with both my hands and pull it off her face. Maybe, maybe try and kind of grab grab it and splay its fingers so it can't um, grab her as I do so. So if that's going to be a fighting brawl roll, then it'll contest with dodge? Now, if it do- manages to dodge out of my way, does that mean it's going to kind of relax its grip on Maggie's face a little bit? Possibly. It's failed its roll, so you will need at least a success. Okay, I'll spend four points of luck to make that success then. So you grab hold of the hand and you peel it off Miss Bellinger's face, thankfully in the nick of time. It turns, and you can see that it's trying to not interlace its fingers with your fingers so much as it's trying to figure out what position it can grip you with. Um, Meanwhile, I'm going to be running over towards the, uh, the fire to try and plunge it in the fire again like it did the other one. Certainly. Simon, you still have another hand to deal with. Uh, I will try to do the same thing with this one. 
Which, as a strength roll, that's a 62 under 80. Okay. You can grab hold of it and lead it over. And uh, it tries to resist, but you overcome its strength and are able to pitch it into the fireplace to join its friend. And so I'll offer you a D6 worth of damage you may apply to it. Just one. Okay. It dances on the coals for a little bit and then uh, is going to be using its turn to scramble out and then up the fireplace grate because what it would like to do on its action is jump back onto you. Um, And so it will make a fighting brawl roll to do so. All right. If you would like to dodge, you may. I'm going to try and sidestep the burning hand flying through the air at me. Uh, No, with a 97, it nailed me right in the face. There's a burning hand on my face. There is, and the burning hand is going to do some damage to you. So that's two points of damage. So, Miss Bellinger, you have seemingly gotten this thing off of you, thanks to Fraser. What's the plan for this deadly hand? So Fraser has the other hand. He He has killed one hand and then taken the other one. Correct. I think Maggie is going to be clutching her face and like scooch her knees up in the bed, trying to get her back to whatever wall is closest to her knees to her chest, clutching her eye that was nearly ripped out just now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can feel the blood like seeping down your forehead from the scratches it left on your face. Uh, All right, Fraser. Uh, how are we to deal with this hand next? Basically, I'm going to try and do the same thing as I did last time. I am going to try and kind of manhandle it and plunge it into this um, fire again. If there's a poker by the fire, what I might try and do is hold the, the hand by one of my hands, stick it in the fire, and then just skewer it into the fire with the poker and kind of push it down into the into the uh, the, the coals. I think it's a fighting brawl roll. Acquiring the weapon is easy enough to pick up. It's right by the fireplace. I don't think it's anything more than a fighting brawl versus dodge, to be honest. Okie doke. So but I've got hold of it. I'm not letting go of it at all. If it can, if, I suppose if it can dodge, it's just going to be t- just twisting round and round in my, in my clutches. Unless it wants to try and pull itself, somehow pull itself free of my hand. That is a hard success for fighting brawl. Fantastic. Uh, You get the hand in position and you feel when just for a moment where its strength sort of ebbs and you ditch it into the fire and then use the fireplace to skewer it. The hand flexes and unflexes a few times until it eventually just curls its fingers closed in the fire and the flesh burns and singes. So, Miss Ballinger, are you all right? trying to help her by by still averting my eyes so I don't see a lady in her her night attire. He he tried to pull my eye out, Fraser. I don't don't know what I I did, but he tried to pull my eye out. Uh, Let me see. Let me me see. Um, And I'll see if I can apply some first aid to Maggie if um, she lets me. Yeah, Maggie will kind of like slowly, cautiously remove her... It's, it's one of those things where if I'm covering up my eye, then nothing bad is obviously happened to it. It's not until you remove your hands from covering the wound that, that, that the bad thing happened. That's nasty, but it could have been a lot worse. Um, 
So, Simon, given that you're still not out of the woods, so to speak, with your own hand problem, what's the plan? I'm going to pull this burning hand off my face, and I'm going to toss it back in the fireplace where it belongs. All right, so you'll take your fighting brawl versus my uh, dodge. Uh, For once, the dice favored me. That's a 10 under 50. Oh, yeah, very good. That's uh, an extreme. So you are able to get the hand in control and then pitched in the fire. So go ahead and roll me a d6. And that is a full six points. You too get to have the wonderful experience of watching a living animated hand die in a fire. And uh, your room fills further with the smell of burning flesh. I think as soon as I've ascertained that um, Maggie's eye isn't hanging out by its sinews um, or by its optic nerve, Fraser will suddenly have a kind of a moment of recollection that Simon was calling for for his help. And uh, he'll run out into the, um, I guess, into the corridor and uh, burst into Simon's room. He's just, he's not going to stand on ceremony. Simon's standing there with a red handprint on his face where the skin is red. And he's in his long johns and he's just pointing at the burning hands in the fire. Yeah, I said, Simon, are you all right? Hands. Hands. Goddamn hands. Your face, man. I'll get Paul. I tried to pluck my, my Spellinger's eye out. Two of the damn things. Well, same here. Uh, you may want to check on Lady E and see if she's got any, too. Aye, I will. Um, you, you wake Paul and, uh, and the Professor. I'll, I'll see if Lady Elizabeth's uh, all right. I, I'll go get Paul. And let me pull my pants on, please. Ah, I'd write enough. Uh, oh, I suppose I, I should... And, ah, to hell with it. And uh, I'm just going to run across the um, corridor and knock on uh, her ladyship's door. And I don't think I'll be quite as kind of discreet and polite and uh, a knock as, uh, as I usually would, because I want to make sure it wakes her. Uh, how has my night been, Mike? Pleasant, reasonably. Unfortunately for you at this point, uh... Fraser does seem to wake you in the midst of a dream that you and Ileana are sharing. Yes. Your ladyship, it's, it's, it's Mr. Fraser here. Uh, are, are you all right in there? I was. We have a, a hand situation out here. Oh, do we? It might be as well to wake up and... and it's better if I don't explain through the door. One moment... I will very reluctantly, slowly, I imagine, get up and put on a dressing gown and open the door. Has, have we woken? Have we woken anyone else in the corridor up? You've woken up Paul. He's wondering what the hell's going on. He immediately sort of ascertains for you that there's an issue in some of the rooms and goes and checks on people. As long as we've not alerted the staff or any other guests, that's a good thing. It does not appear so. I think when you when you come to the door, I say, "Your ladyship, something very, very strange," and I don't even know how to explain it. It's it's like something out of uh, one of those one of those stories by that James fellow. Hands, disembodied hands, running around the room, clutching and grabbing. Nearly had her eye out. 
I'm still not sure I'm not dreaming considering all the drugs I'm on at the moment. It's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. Hans, Mr. Fraser, what? Aye, hands, hands. We crawling, clutching, grabbing, scratching hands. Running about by themselves. It's not natural. It's not right. Mr. Fraser, very little of the last few months has been natural. But is is everyone alive? Well, uh, aye, but uh, they're the wee blighters. They, they could be hiding anywhere. They could be under the bed or anything. I don't see any around here. Seems Mr. Griffith and Miss Bellinger attract trouble. Would you would you mind if I uh, if, if I checked your your room just to make sure? Uh, Have a look, Mr. Fraser. Thank you. Um, I, I'm going to thoroughly search her ladyship's room to see if there are any hidden hands waiting to um, scuttle out and uh, pluck her eyes out. No, you don't find nary a one. In fact, none of the rooms have hands left in them. A cursory search that Paul does of the professor's bedroom finds the same. Paul sees to you as well, Miss Bellinger. He applies a cream to your forehead uh, to help keep the wound from getting infected and um, even gives you something to help you sleep. And after all of that, it is a little difficult for most people to get back to sleep. Except Richard, of course, who seemingly has had no problem sleeping. But I think that's as good a time to any as in. So uh, thank you for joining us this uh, the hands-on experience we've had today with uh, Horror on the Orient Express. We greatly appreciate your listening ears. Thank you, and good night.